hear God's prophets, they'll hear God's apostles, and they'll hear all the rest of us who can speak on his behalf and in his name. Um, I knew that there would be times God would speak through my dad because my dad would commune with the Lord. And it's not that I didn't hear from God. I was a priest. I could hear from God, but I could also hear from God through other people that I trusted. And I knew I could hear from God through my dad. And when I didn't know which direction to go with uh, college, when I graduated from high school, pretty aimless, God spoke to me through my father. And because I had a little bit of frequency in my spiritual antenna, I mean, it wasn't real strong. The frequency wasn't that strong. But I had just enough, I could hear God speak through my father. And my dad said, well, son, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you need to go to Liberty University. And I obeyed my dad. And I went to Liberty, and that's where he called me to preach. And I met my wife, and so many other great things happened for me. Now, I've taken Liberty off my resume these days, but anyway, <laughs> let me move on. <laughs> However, when individuals don't hear spiritually, they won't hear God's messengers. Matter of fact, not only will you not hear them, you'll persecute them. People didn't hear God's son, and they persecuted him. People didn't hear God's spirit. And they resisted him. People didn't hear God's vessels like the prophets and the apostles, so they stoned them. And people didn't hear Martin Luther King Jr. back in the 60s and 50s. Many people didn't. And because of that, he was put to death. I believe he was put to death because people knew his words were starting to get through. People were starting to hear him. So they had to kill the messenger to stop the message. In Acts chapter 7, turn to Acts chapter 7. I could show you so many stories from scripture where this is true. When you choose not to hear spiritually, you will reject God's message through his vessels. Some people are mad with me for whatever reason. And because you're mad with me, you can't hear God speak through me to you. Now, if you're mad with me because you don't like the color of my shoes or something, you got to grow up. But if you're mad with me because I spoke some truth and you don't like it, then you need to get right with God. Paul said in the book of Galatians, have I become your enemy because I spoke the truth to you? And sometimes people get mad because I speak the truth. I'm not aiming. I'm just speaking. The Holy Ghost is bringing it home. I'm just bringing it up. He's bringing it home. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. And that's why you need to love your pastor and pray for your pastor or any of your Bible teachers who are in church that you're under. Because God can speak through them to you to help you in a moment where you need to hear a word. In addition to your own study. Oh, man, this is good. This is good. Yeah, uh -huh. pray for your pastor. Don't throw shoes and stones at your pastor. Verse 51. <laughs> Acts chapter 7, verse 51. This is my man Stephen, y'all. Stephen is cold. He's cold. This brother is pre And cold means he's hot for the Lord. All right. uh, he, he's preaching, man. He's preaching. In verse 51, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Just sit there for a minute. Just sit there. Now, I've never said that to y'all. I've never. Y'all stiff-necked, <laughs> uncircumcised. So, hey, cut a brother a little bit of slack. <laughs> he goes on to say, you always resist who? The Holy Spirit. 
as your fathers did, so do you. So his audience, they're resisting God's spirit. They're resisting God's word. They're resisting God's messenger. He says in verse 52, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have betrayed, have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Stop and pause. The word is a two-edged sword. It will cut. It cuts the preacher. It cuts the hearer. It cuts all of us. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts in. It cuts out. Cuts through flesh and bone to get to the heart. Now dig this. When the word cuts, we will either repent or we will rebel. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, we see the same terminology. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, they were cut to the heart. And they said, what must we do to be saved? We're going to see here. Different preacher, same word, same God, folks are going to be cut to the heart because the ground is different. In Acts 2, the soil was salt. Acts 7, this is some thorny, stony ground. So when they get to the heart, hang on, they gnashed at him with their teeth. Man, they tried to do the brother like a piece of corn on a cob. Verse 55, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Remember, he was probably singing, Jesus be at the center of it all. He was probably singing that song. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stop their ears. I don't want to hear that no more. I don't want to hear that. They literally put their hands over their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So he spoke tough words, but he wasn't angry with them. You can speak tough words and not be angry with people. Because if he was angry with them, he wouldn't have said, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. If he was angry with them, he would have said, Lord, take them out. Deal with them, Jesus. But as he's getting stoned, his heart is soft as a preacher, but he still speaks the truth in love. Y'all are still stiff-necked and you resist the Holy Spirit. They stop their ears. We don't want to hear that. And they killed him. And a lot of times when people don't want to hear the truth, they kill the messenger. Or they leave a church where the truth is being spoke, talk about the messenger, and find somebody that's going to tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. But every now and then, you got to have your ears cleaned out in the name of Jesus. Uh, this is a spiritual Q-tip up in this door. <laughs> All right! <laughs> but when individuals can hear spiritually, we can hear God's messengers. But secondly, when the church can hear spiritually... It will hear the cries, listen to this, of our marginalized neighbors. When we're tuned in spiritually, when we can hear spiritually, we'll hear the cries coming over the heavenly frequency of people in distress. We will hear SOS calls, not only in the spiritual realm, but above all in the natural realm. We'll hear people's voices crying for help. 
Now, we use this word marginalized all the time. Let me try to break it down to you. When I was coming up, we had three ring binders. You had those blue stripes, and you had the margins on both sides. You were not supposed to write in the margins. You were supposed to write everything between the two lines. That's, and if stuff was in the margins, you went over the margin, your teacher would get you on that, okay? So the margins was that place that nobody went to. <laughs> the margin was the place where the important stuff was in between the lines. You know, and even as you're on your notes and stuff, you'll put notes in the margin, but the heavy stuff is in between. So marginalized people, they're not in the day-to-day. -day. They're, they're, they're not always looked upon. They're, they're on the skirts of town. They're, they're, they're out here. Like Jesus said, they're, they're in the byways. They're, they're out in the bushes. Those people who are not recognized as being in between the lines, they're outside of the lines, and the Bible says we need to make sure we hear those people. Again, I could tell you many stories, many stories, but I'm, I'm going to read one to you, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, of someone who was in the margins, and Jesus heard him, but not his followers. <laughs> oh, man, I got to get on my horse and go. Watch this now, Mark chapter 8. Do I have the wrong passage? Let's see here. Let me try Luke. Let me try Luke. Might, might be in the wrong book. I'll tell you. Oh, here it is. Mark chapter 8. Mm. All right, I lost it. I'll tell you the story. There's a blind man on the roadside. He heard that Jesus was passing by. So there's this whole group of people with Jesus. He hears about it. He begins to cry out, David, I mean, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he's crying out. He's marginalized. He's blind and he's a beggar. He's on the skirts of town. He, he's an outcast. He's part of the last, the least, and the lost. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The people in Jesus' entourage... Tell the blind man to be quiet. Y'all remember the story? Be quiet. Why? We don't need all that noise around here. We don't need to hear you crying out. But Jesus said, bring him to me. You may not hear the marginalized, but I hear them crying. Y'all go get him and bring him to me. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said, Lord, I want to see so there are marginalized people out there who are crying, but the church isn't tuned in spiritually, so we don't hear them. And if we do hear them, we chastise them for being blind. We chastise them for being poor and unemployed and for being on drugs and for being incarcerated. We chastise them. And so this blind man, he's crying out, but thank God the Lord hears him because the person who has a heart for God will have a heart for the marginalized. Can I say it one more time? When we have a heart for God, we will have a heart for the marginalized. Why? Because God has a heart for the marginalized. 
He came for the last and the least and the lost. And he said, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So as we prepare this big banquet and the folks we invited don't want to come, Go get the ones who are out on the margins and the fringes. Bring them, compel them to come into my house where there is meat indeed. Oh, my, I love this. However, y'all, when the church doesn't hear spiritually, it will not hear the cries of our marginalized neighbors. And one of the greatest hindrances to the work of justice is the inability of the powerful to hear cries and concerns of the less powerful. You want to hinder the work of justice when the church doesn't hear those who are suffering injustice? Man, ah, something's got to change. How can some of us not hear the cries of the NFL players who are protesting? No matter how many times they say, this is not about disrespecting the anthem. This is not about disrespecting the military. This is not about disrespecting America. No, we are bowing a knee because we are protesting police brutality. We are protesting the fact that police are killing black people in particular and there's nothing happening. We are taking a knee. We are using our places of privilege as millionaires to call out for the voiceless who are often not heard or invited to the table to be seen. So we're using our power. Just like back in the day when Jim Brown and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Muhammad Ali used their platforms to call attention to the marginalized. But, but when we don't want to hear them, we're not listening to learn, we're listening to fight. We're listening to respond, to retaliate. So, so I love the other day, uh, I was vacationing in Jamaica last week, and every now and then I looked at social media, and I saw that one of the players on the Philadelphia Eagles uh, was asked a question by the media because the president had disinvited the Philadelphia Eagles to the White House because apparently many of the Philadelphia Eagles weren't coming to the White House. So rather than having a small group of Eagles, the president just disinvited all of them. And so they're at the players' lockers, and they're asking them questions. So one of the players got tired of talking. He said, I've been telling you all the same thing over and over and over again. I tell you all what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my stuff on some billboards. And he lifted up billboard after billboard that he had written by hand talking about the school-to-prison pipeline, talking about uh, the mass incarceration rate, and talking about police brutality, and talking about victims of police brutality. He just lifted up, and, and one of them he lifted up said, Y'all aren't listening. You aren't listening. Imagine what would happen, though, if the owners humbled themselves and listened. But when your heart is hard or you're lifted up in pride, you're not going to listen to marginalized people. But if the spirit of Jesus is working in you, who spent time with marginalized people, you will listen to marginalized people. And rather than trying to interpret what they're saying, you give them the mic and let them talk. Oh, man, I should have got a couple more amens. How come some of us can't hear the cries of the people in Puerto Rico? And we're arguing about death tolls and, and all of this, but there are still vast portions of the island that don't have power, that don't have the help. How come we can't hear their cries? How come we can't hear the cries 
of the undocumented children being separated from their families at the borders. We're Christians first. Americans third, fourth, fifth. We cannot trade G-O-D for the G-O-P. When your politics takes over, because my faith says, my Jesus taught one of his, his last sermons before going to the cross is found in Matthew chapter 25, and he talked about serving the stranger, taking them in. And Jesus said, sheep take strangers in, and when you take strangers in, when you do it to them, you're doing it unto me. But goats don't take sheep in, and goats are going to hell. That's what Jesus said. Oh, I don't have time to go there, but you can go there by yourself. Because <laughs> I got to close this sermon right here, right now. Because it's hypocritical for a nation to lead with the rule of law when it broke moral laws to establish itself. It's hypocritical. Keep talking about the rule of law, the rule of law. You broke moral laws to establish this nation. So rather than talking about the rule of law, which you haven't kept, you need to lead with the law of love. That's what the world needs to see is love, compassion, humility coming from and through the United States of America. Then we talk about establishing law. But ruling with law, I'm so glad Jesus didn't lead with law in my relationship with him. Thank you, Jesus, for leading with love. But speaking of the nation, here's my third and final point. I'll wrap it up. When a nation can hear spiritually, it will repent. So when individuals can hear spiritually, they'll hear God's messengers. When the church can hear spiritually, it will hear the cries of our marginalized neighbors. And when a nation can hear spiritually, it will repent. Jonah chapter 3. I'm going to read this to you. Jonah chapter 3. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Here we go. Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. I'll back up at verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Listen to verse 4, y'all. And Jonah began at, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So God is saying, if they don't repent, they're going to be destroyed. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He finally went to Nineveh, and these are Gentiles. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth. Verse 6, then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. So we see repentance happening in Nineveh. And they repented. Watch this. Listen to this. From a one-word, one-sentence sermon preached by a reluctant racist prophet. Because it ain't all about the vessel. Is about the word that comes through the vessel. He said, repent. And because that nation was tuned in at that moment, this heathen, ungodly nation. And when you read Jonah, you don't even know what the sins of the nation of Nineveh were. You got to go on and read Nahum to know more about them. They were very violent people, bloodthirsty people. And God was saying, I'm going to destroy them, but I'm going to give them another chance. Jonah, go and talk. He preaches a one-sentence sermon. They repent. Even the king repents. 
and God relents when they repent. And so they heard God and they repented. And in my opinion, the closest America came to a revival like this was on August 28, 1963. In a diverse crowd of people from around the country, as Martin Luther King stood on that podium and said that he had a dream. That was the closest we came to a national revival. Why do you say that? Because out of that day, justice came. They just didn't get together and hold hands. But no, the Civil Rights Act came as a result, the Voting Rights Act, and the Fair Housing Act. So unity produced justice. Their gathering at the event produced works that changed the nation, whereby we're in this place that we're in today. That's the closest we came, I believe, to revival, of being unified as the body of Christ, being unified as a nation. However, however, when a nation doesn't hear spiritually, it will not repent. Nineveh heard. But here we are, we're supposed to be a Christian nation, but we have not yet repented. Because in 1962, remember the march was 63, Gallup did a poll and asked, do you believe black children receive equal educational opportunities in your community? And when the white folks filled out the survey, 90% of them said, yes, black children receive equal educational opportunities just like white children in 1962. Now, when we look back to 1962, we would say, y'all were mistaken. That, no, black children received education, but it wasn't equal. Black people received opportunity, but it wasn't equal. But the white people in that era, 90% of them in 1962 thought it was equal. I'm going somewhere. And in 1963, Gallup asked, do you believe racial minorities are treated equally in your community? 80% of white folks said yes. So in 1963, and that's when after the March on Washington, you had the four little girls being bombed in their church. You had the do dogs and the fire hoses being let out on the people in Birmingham. And so America was very tense and divided. Yet there were some white folks who said, yes, minorities are treated equally in our community. Really? Hmm. I'm going somewhere. During the very month of that historic march, Newsweek asked white America what they thought about the march. And two-thirds said Martin Luther King and the movement were pushing too fast and asking for too much too soon. So in 1963, they're saying, what's all this marching about? We don't need all of this right now. Everybody's fine. You know, there's no problem. Matter of fact, y'all pushing for too much, too soon, too fast in 1963. And nobody here today in 2018, at least I hope not, would look back and say, those white people were on the money with that, that they knew what they were talking about. No, they were off with that assessment in 1963. Why? There has been white denial in every generation. Remember now, don't throw a shoe at your pastor. I'm just speaking. White denial. White denial in 1850. There's no problem with slavery. Uh, 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 white denial in 1890. Okay, the slaves have been set free. We don't need any outsiders coming in here, uh, messing up relationships between us and our Negroes. 
They didn't think about uh, uh, equality till y'all came up in here. Denial in every generation, 1930, 1962, 1963, and I'm even going to say in 2018, white denial. In every generation, listen, members of the dominant group have said there is no problem with race. And in every generation without fail, they have been wrong. They were wrong in 1850, they were wrong in 1860, 1890, 1930, 1963, 2018. And in every generation, listen to this, black people who have been the targets of oppression have said there is a problem. No one wanted to listen. And in every generation without fail, we have been proven to be correct. Only later. You don't hear us in it. You hear us later. Mm. What are the odds that people of color who have never gotten it wrong about racism have suddenly lost their minds and can't get it right? Counter to that, what are the odds that white folks who have never gotten it right yet have somehow become highly perceptive in 2018 about racial injustice? <laughs> I got to thank Tim Wise for this train of thought. A white man who brought this to the table, who's calling out his own, saying, you didn't get it then. You aren't getting it now, and you're criticizing black folks who've gotten it in every generation because the oppressed know what oppression feels like. Listen to them. Oh, man. So if there is a spirit on some white people in America, it's this spirit right here of not listening. <laughs> oh, man. Isn't this good? I love this. So if there's a spirit on some people in white America, it's this spirit of death and dumbness. How can the president say, let's posthumously pardon Muhammad Ali, who doesn't need a pardon? He was already pardoned. But you won't listen to Colin Kaepernick and other athletes talk about injustice. Now watch this. When Ali spoke out against the Vietnam War and against racial injustice, America didn't hear him. They vilified him in the 60s. But then, a little bit later, he became the greatest. And everybody loved him. But you didn't listen to him then. But now when he was old and couldn't move much and couldn't talk much, now, oh, yeah, we love Ali. It's the same thing that Colin Kaepernick is standing for. He's just not as famous as Ali was. So the question is, why can't we hear them? It's the flesh energized by spirits of oppression as well. So how did Jesus... Get rid of that spirit. He rebuked the spirit. In two weeks, I'll talk about Jesus is doing his work. His church is coming to him. Folks are repenting. There are white people who do get it. There are brown people, black people, red people, uh, 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 Asian people. We're getting the kingdom of God. We're repenting. We're doing works and acts of justice and righteousness. But there are some folks that when they hear this kind of message, they shake it and convulsing before this thing comes up off of them. 
Because when Jesus rebukes that spirit, it didn't come right out. It, I'm going to wait for you. I said, come out. And there are people resisting God as he's confronting America about our history and sins of racism and injustice. Some are hearing and repenting. Some, they're hearing it and they're fighting it. But preachers like me, I'm going to keep on loving. I'm going to keep on preaching. And I'm going to keep on rolling with the remnant. Somebody said, Pastor, we don't need to keep hearing this. You're preaching to the choir. But everybody in the choir ain't right. <laughs> Sometimes folk in the choir need to rehearse the word. <laughs> Stand to your feet. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. This is good stuff, y'all. It's good. Remember our vision to experience this kingdom, to expand this kingdom, and even to explain it. This is what we do. And I'm honored to be a part of this community. Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you that our children's director is on a beach somewhere relaxing. Oh, God, thank you for that. Thank you. As Kay said earlier, this is a family. And children can move and make noise. We're in your living room because this is your house, Father. And I thank you that you're with us. You're with us when we worship through song. You're with us when we worship through giving. You're with us as we worship through preaching. And now, Lord, for the things we've heard, may the enemy not steal the word because we're shallow. May he not steal the word because our hearts are hard. May he not steal the word because our hearts are stony and thorny. But, Lord, may we receive the word, meditate on this word with an open heart, an open mind. Help us to hear you, because when we hear you, we'll hear our neighbor. When we hear you, we'll hear the cries of those who are hurting. So, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. Continue to bless us to be a blessing. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, even all those prayers we pray today, above and beyond anything and everything we could ever ask or imagine, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Have a good day. Have a good day. Next week is Father's Day. We got gifts for the fathers. Be here next week. <laughs>